0: And in the Septuagint, the Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. It's called Septuagint because 70 scholars got together and translated the Hebrew text into Greek. So when you hear Septuagint, it has to do with the 70 translators from the Hebrew text into the Greek text. In the Septuagint, it says this is a Psalm of David against Goliath. But that is incorrect. Okay? Because this psalm does not talk about the early days of David's life when he slew Goliath. This psalm deals with the latter days of David's life. Okay? Now, we have seen David because of his son Absalom's rebellion against him. Uh... Absalom has turned the majority of the nation of Israel against David, his father, because Absalom wants the throne. So David had to get out of town. He had to leave Jerusalem, okay? And he went through a time of great struggle and great weariness in his life. Can you imagine that? His own son trying to destroy him. I'm talking about his natural son trying to destroy him and he has to leave the throne of Israel and he has to run for his life. Okay, so he's really, really in turmoil. There's a lot of trouble. His spirit's overwhelmed within him. His heart is desolate. He's in great battle. But Psalm 144, we are moving to the conclusion of that time in David's life. Where David is fixing to return back to Jerusalem. He will ascend back to the throne Of Israel as the rightful king. Okay? God has restored him back to the throne. But as soon as David sets upon the throne. After the rebellion of Absalom. The throne is wobbling again. There is a movement in the kingdom. To have another insurrection against David. That would be greater than the insurrection of Absalom. And this insurrection that I'm going to talk to you about this morning is an insurrection that most of us, most of you are not familiar with. You are familiar with the time in David's life where Saul was trying to kill him. You're familiar with the time in David's life where Absalom, his son, rebelled against him and he has to leave Jerusalem. You are familiar with God's restoration of David back to the throne. Those are all things you're very familiar with. What you're not familiar with maybe as, as carefully as the others is the fact that as soon as he sat back on the throne again, that his, his throne was wobbling. They were fixing to have another insurrection in the land of Israel. Okay. So that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. All right. Let's read a verse and then we'll pray. Father, we, we read this to you and to you, God. Blessed be the Lord, my strength which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. Verse 2, My goodness, my fortress, my high tower, my deliverer, my shield, he in whom I trust, who subdueth my people under me. Lord, we thank You today for Your awesome Word. We give You all glory and honor and praise. We thank You, God, for Your goodness and Your mercy. In Jesus' name, Bless your people today. Amen. You may be seated. Blessed be the Lord, my strength which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. Life is full of battles and full of struggles. Every one of us here today have great battle and great struggle. And in David's life, it was a continual process. David's life was one of constant, continual battle and struggle one right after another. Not just one every once in a while, but just constant battle and constant struggle. In this particular case, let's go over to 2 Samuel. When David said, "Blessed be the Lord my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. Why would he say that? Well, let's go over in 2nd Samuel chapter 17 and I'll give you the background. Okay, 17:1 During Absalom's rebellion, the majority of the army of the nation of Israel was on the side of Absalom, the rebel. Okay? David leaves Jerusalem. He flees for his life. And the reason for this rebellion from his son goes back to the days when David had sinned against God. He had committed adultery with Bathsheba and he murdered Uriah, her husband. And as a result of that, disorder hit the house of David. Over a period of time, his own son Abnon died. Absalom, at the end of his rebellion, Absalom dies and is damned. During Absalom's rebellion, David's very close friend, who he says he went to the house of the Lord and had sweet counsel together with Ahithophel, turned his back on David and sided with Absalom. Ahithophel is who we are reading about here today. Ahithophel was related to Bathsheba and at one time a very close advisor of David. He was a very wise man. The Bible tells us, though Ahithophel sides with Absalom in this rebellion, and when I read this verse to you, David is still out of the city. Okay, y'all with me today? Okay. Help me to communicate this, God. Absalom wants counsel at that time from Ahithophel as to what he should do with David because David's on the run right so Ahithophel comes into the chamber the palace chamber of Absalom in 2 Samuel 17:1 he says moreover Ahithophel said unto Absalom let me now choose out twelve thousand men I will rise and pursue after David this night See, what you have to realize is this is it. Because David was such a powerful warrior. This is fresh in the mind of Absalom and Ahithophel. That David is a powerful warrior. Okay, do you understand what I'm telling you? How many of y'all know that he was a powerful warrior? He was a powerful warrior. We talked about David as a warrior, David in his weakness, and then David as a worshiper. David was a powerful warrior. Even as a young teenager, he slew a giant, Goliath, who was a powerful warrior. And they watched David through the years, God giving him victory after victory after victory over the enemies. They knew David was a powerful shepherd warrior, a powerful shepherd king. And this is in the mind of Ahithophel, and this is in the mind of Absalom. They know David. Okay? So Ahithophel comes before Absalom, And he tells Absalom, we need to pursue David right now. We need to take advantage of David while David is down. While David is weak, while David is weary, Ahithophel says to Absalom, he says, strike while the iron is hot. Take advantage right now, because, you know, in back behind this, Ahithophel knows how powerful David is as a warrior. So he said, we better hit him while he's down. We better hit him while he's weak, because if he's able to regroup himself, you don't stand a chance against David. So the counsel is to hit him while he's down, hit him while he's weak. Okay, so let's look at it. Verse uh, 1 again, moreover, Ahithophel said, you're going to have an awesome time this morning. I mean, we're going to see some awesome things. Moreover, Ahithophel said unto Absalom, Let me now choose out 12,000 men, and I will arise and pursue after David this night. And I will come upon him while he is weary and what? Amen. Weak-handed. But verse 1 of Psalm 144, David said, The Lord teacheth my hands to what? War. To war. Hallelujah. Woo, Hallelujah. I love it. David said, God, the Lord teacheth my hands to war. And so the reason why David was such a powerful warrior is because God taught him how to be a warrior. He was anointed by God to be a warrior. Okay? When Ahithophel looks at David in this present condition, he sees David weak and weary, and David was weak and weary. Okay? He forgets though that God taught David's hands to war. Okay, so he says we need to go after David right now. Verse two, I will come upon him while he is weary and weak handed and will make him afraid. And all the people that are with him shall flee and I will smite the king only. I will bring back all the people unto thee. The man whom thou seekest is as if all return. So all the people shall be in what? Peace. Said, let me go and kill this David. Can you imagine this? Ahithophel was David's best friend. They went to church together. They had sweet counsel together. Ahithophel was an advisor of David. Now Ahithophel has turned his back on David and is desiring to kill David. He said, let me go and pursue him this night. He said, I want to take him out now and I'll just kill the king. I'll just kill the king. And he said, if I can just kill this man David, then peace will come in the kingdom. See the propaganda, the lies there? Peace in the kingdom if we can just get rid of David. We just kill him, take him out once and for all. And this is our opportunity to do it right now while he's weak and he's weary. We got to hit him now while he's down. The Bible tells us in verse 4, And the saying pleased Absalom well, and all the elders of Israel. Look at the eldership is behind him. He's got the eldership behind him. He's got the armies, the majority of the armies behind him. He's got David's former advisor behind him. I mean, in all appearances, it looks like God is in this. So Ahithophel, when he makes this counsel, evidently he believes that he's in the will of God to kill David. Okay, you with me now? Now watch. And so all the elders are pleased with this saying and this counsel and that it's this, this advice from this very wise man. Um, the Bible tells us, verse 5, then said Absalom, but we need to hear from somebody else. We need to hear from... Hushai the Archite. Hushai the Archite. So let's go get Hushai the Archite and bring him into the palace chamber and let's see what this other wise man says. Not knowing that Hushai the Archite is an agent of David. He's an undercover agent for David. He's on David's side. He's a friend of David, okay? And he's an undercover agent in the kingdom. They bring Hushai to the forefront, and Hushai says Ahithophel's counsel is not good. Now watch this, all right? This is powerful, okay? I love it, I love it, I love it. God always has his undercover agents for truth and for the kingdom of God. So they call Hushai the archite to the chamber, and the Bible says in verse 6, "...and when Hushai was come unto unto Absalom, Absalom spake unto him, saying, Ahithophel has spoken after this manner, shall we do after this saying, If not, speak thou." And Hushai said unto Absalom, The counsel of Ahithophel hath given is not good at this time. For said Hushai, Thou knowest thy father and his men, that they be mighty men, and they be chaffed in their minds." as a bear robbed of her whelps in the field. Thy father is a man of war and will not lodge with the people. So Hushai is reminding Absalom again of the fact that David is a warrior. He is a powerful warrior. So his counsel is going to be, you know, it's going to go against Ahithophel's counsel to go quickly. Basically his counsel is, you better delay this. Don't do this right now, because if you do this right now, you're going to fall into a trap with David. Okay, you are with me right now? And so Absalom listens to the counsel of Hushai to delay the advance. Because Hushai says, you need to get all the armies together. You need to gather all the people unto you before you go out and try to challenge David, because he's a powerful warrior, remember. Okay? So delay is in the council of Hushai, where in Ahithophel's council is we better hit him while he's down. Okay, And Absalom listens to the council of the undercover agent for David and David's friend. And that's going to give David an opportunity to gather his forces. <laughs> I love it. That delay is going to give... It's a It's a divine delay. This divine delay is going to give David the opportunity to gather his troops for war. Hallelujah. I love it. This is so powerful. And so in Absalom, see behind all of this, Absalom and Ahithophel and Hushai, they all know that David is a powerful, powerful warrior, but he's weak right now. Absalom takes the counsel of Hushai and as a result, Absalom will be slain in the battlefield by Joab, alright? And the rebellion will be overthrown. Are y'all here with me now? And David will ascend back to the throne. But keep your place in 2 Samuel chapter 20, as I go to Psalm 144. So, when we look at verse 1, David said, Blessed be the Lord, my strength, which teacheth my hands to war, and my fingers to fight. If you don't have God helping you fight your battles, you cannot succeed. And David knew that. If if God doesn't help me fight my battles, I can't succeed. But if God teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight, he said, I know I'll be successful. And he said, in fact, at this point, he's coming out of... This rebellion and Absalom has been rebel has been defeated, and David is praising God for the victory. He said, "The Lord is teaching my hands to war and my fingers to fight. I'm giving Him all the glory now." By way of practical application, you need to put this word in your spirit. He teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. Because every day that you live, you will have battle. And every day that you live, you will have struggle. And if you don't have God helping you fight your battles, you will not win the battle. If it had not been God for God helping David in this time, David would have lost the battle. He would have been slain. He would have been killed. He would have been died. But God stepped in and taught His hands to war and His fingers had a fight. Oh, hallelujah. See, God, God... There's a side of God a lot of people don't know and that is that God is a fighting God. God is a warring God. Okay? He's not just a God of love and a God of mercy. He's a fighting God. He's a warring God. and that's A lot lot of people don't know that. But see, we're in a battle, so we have to have a God that will fight for us. We have to have a God that will teach us how to fight. We have to have a God who helps us overcome the struggles in our lives and the wars in our lives and all the things that go on. We have to have God. If you don't have God, you will not succeed in your battles in life. Give the Lord praise in the house. So he's rejoicing in the Lord because God gave him another victory. And just like Ahithophel feared, and just like Hushes said, and just like Absalom knew that David was a powerful, powerful warrior, guess what? You can't keep David down. He might be weak and he might be weary and he might be down for a little while, but because God is in David, God will raise him up again. And God will put him in his rightful position where he belongs as the rightful king. And God will defeat the enemies of this rightful king, David. And he'll show David how and what to do in this situation. Are y'all with me today? Give a little praise. So Absalom ends up getting hung in a tree. And Joab slays him. Okay, Ahithophel, the advisor of Absalom, the one-time friend of David, when his counsel was not accepted by David, he goes out and hangs himself. Just like Judas Iscariot did. Ahithophel is a type of Judas Iscariot who betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. And he went out and he hung himself because his counsel was not received. That means this, he realized his game was over. And are y'all with me today? When he realized his game was over, it was over for him. See, he had put forth his efforts to overthrow David. And now he knows the council of Hushai is going to bring about the destruction of Absalom. And so in that way, his position will be gone. And he will be defeated as well. So he knows his game playing is over with. Let me just tell you something. You don't want to fight against God's will. You don't want to fight against God's anointing. You better not put yourself in that position. You can play the game for a little while. But if God is not backing you, and God is not behind you, at some point, God will bring your game to an end. So you don't play that game. You never play that game. And I can stand before you today as your pastor, and I can tell you honestly that I have never one time divided any church in this city that preaches the truth. I don't play that game. And that doesn't mean that I respect all the preachers in this city because they don't have that same ethic. They don't walk in that same ethic. They are desperate for people. So they'll take you out of this church. If they can get you, they'll take you out of this church in a heartbeat and never look back. You know why? Because they are desperate for people. I'm not desperate for people. So I have never split any man's church. I have never chased another man's sheep in this city. Never. Never have I done that. And God knows that and He knows my heart. But see, Absalom had a spirit and he was dividing the kingdom. He was splitting the kingdom right down the middle. And there were advisors and elders and the armies that were backing him at this time. But this game is coming to an end because he's fighting against God himself. Are y'all here today right now? Give God praise. So even though I, I don't necessarily respect, okay, many preachers in this city, I'm not going to divide their church. And I'm not going to go over there and say, Oh, will you please come to my church? Because I know that game is the game you don't want to play. You put yourself in that position. God will bring your game to an end. So I stand before God and God knows my heart and He knows my life. And I thank God I can tell you that as a pastor in this church today. I am not desperate for people. I'm not desperate for a position. If I have a position, it's because I believe God gave it to me. He can take it, he can take it away anytime he wants to. But we live in a time right now that fits in this passage. We live in a time where people who, they do not have ethics. Come on, somebody. And they're desperate for power and they're desperate for money and they're desperate for people and they'll do anything to get you. Hallelujah. So you just need to wake up and not be naive about the situation. That's just the way it is. And what goes around always comes around. So you don't want to play that game. Are y'all with me today? Hallelujah. You know, I know. Recently I heard about a guy starting a church over in Midland. You know, you know what he's doing? He's begging people out of other churches to go to that church. And these people are leaving by the droves. Bible, I mean, are you with me today? By the droves to go over there and join that man. I told Christina, I said, that thing's gonna have the judgment of God on it. I wouldn't want to be in that mess for a million dollars. You couldn't, you couldn't get me involved in that kind of division and that kind of manipulating situations. If you paid me a million dollars, you would not get me in that kind of a mess. There's no way. But this is not a personal thing, but I'm just telling you today that I have never played that game. Never, never, never. And I never will by God's grace. Hallelujah to the Lamb. And if they can get you, then they've got you already. Hallelujah to the Lamb. So anyway, there's a lot that goes on that you don't necessarily always know about that I know about and I got to help you with it. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to keep you bound. I'm not trying to say, you know, I don't, I'm not desperate for you. I'm not desperate for people. I'm desperate for God. I'm desperate for revival. I'm desperate to see souls put out of hell. But there are people here that are totally desperate. I mean, desperate for people. Desperate. That's the word that Brother Edmonds told me. He said, that man is desperate for people. He doesn't have anything. And there's people that have come left this church and gone to that situation. And Brother Edmunds told me he doesn't have anything, Pat. Brother Carter, he's shooting himself in the foot. He's desperate for people. Come on, are y'all here today? Well, you don't want to align yourself with that kind of thing because that kind of thing's going down. How can God put His favor on that kind of thing? He's not. It's going to go down. It's a game they're playing. Hallelujah to the Lamb. And I'm not going to get sucked into that game. And I'm not going to play this game. The enemy may come to me. Well, they did it to you. Go ahead and do it to them. No way. Because this is about God. And I'm not getting in the game that they play. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Whoo, glory to God. You know, and it's not about me, but I can tell you today, you, if you only knew how many people would love to see me out of this city. They'd love to see me out of this city, you know. And if they could get you in their churches out of this one, they'd tell you, oh man, thank God you got out of that church. Oh, yeah, that, that Carter guy, you know, you know, that Carter guy, man. He's a he crazy guy. You know, thank God you've been delivered from Carter. He's crazy. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm crazy for God. I'm I'm just a fool for Jesus Christ. Okay? Hallelujah. I know what goes on. Oh, you're going to have peace now. Peace. Well, go have a happy life, honey. Go have a happy life. (laughs) But I'm not going to get caught up in that game. Praise the Lord, church. You hear me today? God brought this game of Ahithophel and Absalom to an end. He closed it down. He shut it down. Are y'all with me? Absalom is dead and Absalom is damned. Ahithophel is hung up and a curse of God because cursed is every man that hangeth on a tree. And when he hung himself, he didn't just die. He died a curse of God. Those men died and went straight to hell. And they were in the so-called kingdom of God. Died and went straight to hell. You don't play that game, my friend. And I'm telling you as your pastor, I love you. I'm not playing that game because then I will die and go straight to hell. I don't care if you're in the church or not. I don't care if you're Pentecostal, apostolic or not. If you play that game, you will die damned and you will die accursed of God. Because God is not in that kind of thing. He's not in rebellion. He'll cast a devil out of his heaven. Who was once an archangel who had ruling authority in the kingdom of God in the heavens. God said, I will not tolerate your game. You're out of here. He cast him from heaven. He was already in heaven. And a third of the angels went with Lucifer. They sided with Lucifer against God himself. So you have to be careful to understand and discern the spirits of your time. Because the devil will step into this house and seek to gather followers after him. You better wake up. Some of you don't understand. I'm just, I'm teaching you today because I love you. If the devil can cause a third of the angels to side with him against God in heaven and they're looking at God face to face. Don't think the devil cannot come into a church and disrupt a church that God has set up. You don't want to play that rebel game. God casts the devil out of heaven and he'll cast others out as well. He'll purge the house. Give God praise in the house today. You know, I got a letter from, from man who right now is serving some time, uh, but he was in the church house at the beginning of the year when I told you that God's going to sweep through this church as a fire and that He is going to purge this house. Some of you didn't remember that, but that man who's incarcerated right now, he put that in his letter. Let me tell you something. God has stepped in and he has swept through this house with his jealousy and his fire. He will not tolerate rebellion in any form or any fashion. You better get that out of your spirit if it's in you because God will sweep you by judgment out of the kingdom. God didn't play with it. When Lucifer rebelled against him, he didn't play with it then, Third of the angels. Whew, out of here. He doesn't play with it in the days of Absalom and Ahithophel. They're dead men. Accursed and damned. So you don't want to go down that road and you don't play that game. That's why your pastor doesn't play that game. And the enemy will come, here, come to me meet them. well, they did it to you. No, no, I don't care. I'm not going to become a part of His plan. Are y'all here today? Hallelujah. Give God praise in the house. So, I've told you before, do not go after other men's saints. Don't even invite them to this house. They have their own church. Now, what are you talking about, Pastor? I'm not talking about, you know, people in Baptist churches. They need what you got. But I'm talking about Jesus' name, one God, Holy Ghost filled churches. Do you understand what I'm telling you now? Clean the Baptist one out. Hallelujah! Clean the Catholic one out. Clean the the Nazarene. Clean it out. Hallelujah. But just have a right spirit when you do it. So I need to bring clarity to that because you think I'm talking about all churches. I'm not. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. I'm talking about the real church of Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about professing churchianity. Those people aren't even born again of the water and the spirit. They need, they need what you got. Hallelujah. So I'm not talking about you. You're in a Catholic church. We want you in here. Uh, Catholics are the most loyal people. When they get in the church, when they get the truth, they're the most loyal people in the church. You know? amen, amen. How many former Catholics do I have in here? See, that's why y'all are so loyal. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Anyway, so you you have clarity now. But you don't want to play the game when you're dealing in the real kingdom of God and the real church of Jesus Christ. Because if you do, you're going to have major problems in your life. And if, you could lose your soul over it if you don't repent. Okay, So let's none of us play that game. Your pastor doesn't play that game. You don't play that game either. You don't get into this thing back and forth, back and forth. You know, Stay away from it! It'll affect your spirit! And you won't even know what's going on. Just something is sitting on you. I'll tell you what's sitting on you. The Bible says, Lucifer sat in the sides of the north in the mountain of God. You know what that means? He was sitting on the church. Okay, okay. And he'll come and he'll sit on you. You don't even realize the devil's sitting on you, man. Because there's people around you. Come on, somebody. Amen. Again, amen. Amen. That are messing you up. They're trying to pull you into their games. Ahithophel's game came to an end. He committed suicide just like Judas Iscariot. Hallelujah to the land. Oh, I feel the strength of God this morning to preach this to you. I feel an anointing in the Holy Ghost to declare this word to you. I lift up a charge to you. I send a trumpet of warning to you. Wake up! I know the battle that I'm in. Do you know the battle that you're in? There is a a challenge. It's a game. To pull you away. You know? And you can be susceptible just like these, these people were in the land of Israel at that time. Got swallowed up in absence, you know. Absom. Please sit down. I love you guys. I mean, y'all are alright. I mean... You are right. I don't... See, Absalom watched the situation for a long time. He watched the church people go to David. David gave him counsel, you know. And it doesn't always go the way you want it. So let's say you've got a dispute in the church, right? You go to David. David, David what's your counsel? And David says, well, you're right, you're wrong. Well, Absalom watched. He stood at the gate. And he watched and he saw the ones who had their heads hung down. He saw those that were depressed and it didn't go their way, you know. And So have some ghost and say, hey, yeah, it didn't go your way today. I'll oh, help you. I'll oh, help you. My dad, you know, don't listen to him, you know. And so one by one, he began to pick them off and get them on his side. But he watched their countenance as they left the judgment seat of David. You hear what I'm telling you? He said, I'll help you. Come over here. See, are y'all here today? And so, so many of Israel sided with, with Absalom and didn't realize what was going on. Didn't realize the game that they were getting caught up in. Are y'all here today? But they're fixing to lose their so-called King Absalom and a that going to die. Are y'all with me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got a job to do and that is to warn you. I got a job to do, and that is to tell you the truth. Alright? Hey, come on over here. We'll help you. And you'll have peace in your life. That's what Hethro said. But I want to tell you something. The prophets of God were seen as the troublers of Israel. Elijah was, was called by Ahab a troubler of Israel. Elijah said, I'm not the troubler of Israel. You are! And if you look at it, Absalom gathered, what was it, 400 prophets around him in his court. And he had them all paid off. And here comes Micaiah. Remember Micaiah? He didn't give a word that Absalom wanted to hear. He said, you're going to die in the battlefield. And the other 400 prophets, oh, it's going to be good with you. And you got one head prophet, you know, with horns pushing, you know. he putting on a big old show, man. He's got horns in his hair, And you're going to go and you're going to pursue it. You're going to overcome. Go ahead, Ahab. And Micaiah comes out of the prison house and said, you're going to die in the battlefield. And they took him and they put him back in prison. Are y'all here today? Amen. So I'm going to just tell you something, to be honest with you, there are a lot of preachers today, they've been bought by an Ahab spirit. And then the courts of Ahab, everything's going to be alright, everything's going to be wonderful, but there's going to be a Micaiah that's going to stand up. There will be true prophets in the end times that will not be bought and will not prostitute themselves and will not sell. They will not sell. They will be faithful to God to the end. They will not play the game. It is not the true prophets of God that are troubling the land or the church. It is Ahab's. So you have to be aware of what is going on. And as soon as God brings an end to the game, how many of y'all thank God for the truth? He brings an end to the game. God does. And David starts rejoicing. He says, Blessed be the Lord who teacheth my hands to war. Now remember, he was weak and he was weary. But he's a powerful warrior. He came back. He was down, but God brought him back up. He was out, but God brought him back in. He was the rightful king. God had anointed that man. Even though he had faltered and he had failed in his life, he's still anointed by God. Are y'all here today? And Michael the archangel wouldn't even bring a radiant accusation against the devil. He said, the Lord rebuke you. Because Michael knew there was a time when that angel, this archangel Lucifer, was powerful and had authority. He said, I can't bring a rating accusation against you because I knew what you used to be. are y'all here today? And he's fallen. Can you imagine? And there's some people today, they'll bring a rating accusation against, hallelujah, you in the church. You're the anointed of God. And they'll bring a rating accusation against you. And they don't even think twice about it. And you're not fallen. They're in big trouble, my friend. Big trouble. Give God praise in the house today. So God stepped in and God taught David's hands to war. And he taught his fingers how to fight. And he defeated Absalom. He defeated Ahithophel. They're dead. Are y'all with me? And David is restored back to the throne. And y'all know that story, right? The game is over. Look at your neighbor and say, the game is about to be over. When God steps in these huge churches, one particularly in Texas, when He steps into these churches and He begins to uncover the adultery and He begins to uncover the sin that's in those huge mega churches, you will see it with your eyes. Because that church, that ministry, that ministry influences Odessa, Texas. It even influences Jesus' name, one God, preachers. They're taking on a charismatic spirit. And when God steps in and He judges that situation, He uncovers the whole thing. You'll see it. Are y'all here today? And He's going to shake churches in this city. He's going to shake them. He's going to shake them. Because you can't do it that way. You can't play that game. If you get caught up into that. And you prostitute your call. And you prostitute. Come on somebody. And you play this game. you God is going to judge it. That's just the. How do you know it's going to happen? I know. Because it's not in order. God is going to judge every disorder. If it's in me or you. He's going to judge it. That's right. So I'm not, when, when I read this passage to you, I want you to know I'm not talking about people in this in the world. I'm talking about a church situation. Okay. So hallelujah. I know where I am. And I know the battle that I'm in. But I'm asking you today as a church, do you recognize, do you discern the battle that you're in? Hallelujah. 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 If it's not God, let Him come in. Let Him come in here and take me out. If it's not Him. It has to be God. That's why we have to do it God's way. Hallelujah to So even though David was weak and David was weary, I want you to know that he was at a point in his life he was about to lose his mind. God stepped in. God intervened for him. And God helped him. And God put him back on the throne. And so David says, look at this, My goodness, my fortress, my high tower, my deliverer, my shield... He in whom I trust, who subdueth my people under me. He said, you put me back under the th- on the throne. And he said, you brought the people back under my authority. He said, I'm the sovereign again. Really, God, He's the true sovereign. But He's the king now. And the people are under His authority now. They are subdued by God under the authority of David. So David is sitting back on the throne again. Come on, somebody. He's back in the city. The rightful king, the anointed king. is back. But God did it. God showed him how to fight that battle. I mean, you can't get much further than this as far as down and out. He was down and out. But God said... It's not over. Hallelujah to the land. And David said, I give God all the glory. God is my perfect protector. God is my deliverer. It wasn't my ability as a great technician in military strategy. It wasn't, come on all y'all here today. It wasn't Joab's technicality and his ability and strategy of warfare as a general of David. It was God who delivered David. It was God who fought David's battle. And I'm here to tell you, if you'll get right with God, and you'll get on the right side of God, God will fight your battles as well. God will give you the victory over your struggle and over your trouble and over your weakness today. So I don't understand, Pastor. You will by and by understand. So David, David's giving God all the glory. He says, David, uh, God, uh, David says, God, you're my goodness. Hallelujah. You're my fortress. You're my high tower, my deliverer, my shield. Hallelujah. And in whom I trust, who subdueth my people unto me. See, he's rejoicing in God. And God's teaching me how to, taught me how to fight. I mean, God's taught you how to fight. You've been in battles in your life and struggles in your life and you were about down and out. And God stepped in, divine intervention, and He showed you how to fight that battle. I'm not talking about physically. I'm not talking about like, you know, Sanchez back there. You know, he's wanting to knock people's heads off with his fists. I'm talking about spiritual battles that go on in the inside of you. Spiritual battles that are around you, you know, uh, overcoming spiritually, hallelujah. Your struggles, your weariness, your desolate heart you overwhelmed spirit. You know, didn't think you're going to be able to get up out of that one. But God stepped in and strengthened you again and taught you how to fight again. You're back in it now. You're in the war. You're fighting again. You're not just sitting on a pew. You're in the fight! And you're winning because God is your fortress and God is your deliverer. God is showing you what to do in this battle that's in your life, this struggle. God, 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 God is doing it. Hallelujah. If it had not been the Lord, every one of us would be dead and gone. If it had not been the Lord, there wouldn't be a church in Odessa, Texas called Bible Center Fellowship. If it hadn't been the Lord, there wouldn't be a pastor standing here today. If it hadn't been the Lord, you wouldn't still be here today. If it hadn't been the Lord teaching you how to fight. He's a man of war. A man of war. He shows you, man. He teaches you. Praise God. Praise God. Verse three, well, hallelujah with me today. David's rejoice. Ahithophel's dead. Absalom is dead and damned. Ahithophel dead and accursed of God. David's not happy the way Absalom died at the hands of Joab. But it had to be done. You understand what I'm trying to say? And so he's giving all the glory to God. Can you imagine? Being completely destitute, run out of town, and all of a sudden God completely changes the whole thing. Are you with me today? Steps in your life completely changes the outcome of your life. Put you back in your rightful position. Come on somebody. Oh, you didn't stand a chance. You didn't stand a chance, but God stepped in for you to help you. Oh, I love him today. Hallelujah. You need to get it. I need to get it today. You cannot win this battle of life if you do not have God helping you fight and showing you how to fight. And if you don't have God as your defense and your fortress and your high tower, if you don't have God as your deliverer, you will not succeed in this battle because there's something coming in your life that you will not be able to handle. You've got to have God help you fight this battle. You say, well, I think what I'm going to do, I'm just going to check out. I'm just going to commit suicide and end it all. The devil will come to you and tell you that too. Just kill yourself. Kill yourself. I'm going to kill myself, Pastor. Well, hallelujah. You kill yourself, all you've done is transfer your problem from earth to another place which has no solution. So suicide is not your answer because again, all you've done is transfer your problem from earth to hell. And there is no solution in hell if you commit suicide. What you need is to get to God and say, God, I need you to fight this battle for me. I need you to help me. If you'll do that, if you'll do that, you won't want to end it all. And if you do that, you'll end up in heaven with the Lord. But if you kill yourself over your problem, you've just transferred your problem from earth to hell where there is no solution. Get to God. Well, Pastor, I'm not down and out today. Get to God anyway. Because you're in a battle for your life. You're in a struggle for your life. And only God can give you the victory in your life. Don't play the game. Don't play the silly games of religiosity. Religious leaders and religious churches. Do not play that game. Get to God. And God will help you fight. I said God will help you fight. If you don't have God's favor in your life, you're not going to win anyway. You can manipulate. You can try to figure out how to do it on your own. You can try to sit down and write the plans down, you know. But if you don't have God helping you, you're not going to win anyway. You've got to get God in your life. And you've got to let God teach your hands to war and your fingers how to fight. And you need to realize that it is God who's helped you up to this point. And it's God who will help you beyond this point. Here with me. He said in verse 3, David looking at it. Please sit down. It's God who's delivered the king. It's God who's put him back on the throne. Hallelujah. He's a humble man. And he looks at himself and he looks at man in general. And this is what David says. Remember, this is at the end of his life that these events are happening. And much of it is because He's brought it on Himself by His adultery with Bathsheba and His killing of Uriah. He brought a lot of this on Himself, okay? But remember, He repented of the sin. I said He repented of the sin. But that doesn't mean there's no consequence. So even though he repented of the sin, there's still consequence. And he's battling, he's struggling, and he's fighting, he's got rebellion in his house. He's got disorder in his house. He's got problems everywhere in his house because of his own sin. Even though he's repented, there's still consequence. And he needs God to help him fight these battles that he's in. And so as he looks at his life and he looks at Absalom and he looks at Ahithophel and he looks at all these various situations, it dawns on him. And he writes such a powerful, powerful passage. In verse 3, he says, Lord, what is man? What is man? The word, the Hebrew word here is, uh, gives us the English word Adam. What is Adam? He said, What is it about humanity in general? you with me today? What is it about humanity in general, Adam? Hallelujah. That thou takest knowledge of him. In the universe, there are things that outrank man, but you're paying attention to the sons of Adam. You're paying attention to Human beings. You see what I'm trying to show you here? See, this is blowing David's mind. That God would even pay attention to people like us. Oh, I can understand God, you know, uh, talking to angels, interrelating with angels, you know, and all of this. Hallelujah. But you and me? God Himself? And this is getting a hold of David. How is it that God would pay attention to the general race called humanity. When there's so much more important things going on in the universe than to mess with people like you and me. See, if you don't realize that, then you need to change your thinking. There's a whole lot more important things in God's universe than for Him to come mess with me. How many of you thank God that He comes to mess with you? That He thinks about you. That He helps you. That He teaches your hands to war and your fingers to fight. That He defends you. That He's your high tower, you know. That He would do all of that for us when He's running the universe. you got to make sure, you know, planets are staying in orbit and, and the stars are staying in place and he's got, to, he's got to control the black hole coming over here and this black hole sucking this in and sucking that out and he's got to control the imploding, exploding of stars. He, God, God, why would you even think about me when you're controlling black holes and imploding, exploding stars? Why, God, would you even take the time to intervene for man? Hallelujah. Why don't you do uh God uh, see what I'm trying to show you here is is that. He's showing you that God is not a deist. No, looking at me, what was that? I didn't say he wasn't deity. God is not like the deists teach. The deists teach that God, when He created the universe, he like he wound up, wound up the clock, he created the universe, round up the clock, and it's all running on its own. He's not involved in the universe is what they teach. He's not involved in anything that's going on. He created it around the clock and the clock's been running ever since and God's not involved in it at all. That's the deist. Dave is telling you that's not reality. Every black hole, come on somebody, an imploded star. Every black hole that's going on up there, all these stars. Everything that's going on in this huge vast universe that's beyond your Milky Way by the way. Come on, somebody. Why would God, when all of that out there has to be taken care of, even think about you, Heath? Is that your name, right, Brother Heath? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he to think about me? Come on. T- today, my friend, God is here in this house. And I don't say that just by faith. I felt His touch. I felt His anointing. God, I feel His touch right now. The Creator of this universe is right here in your midst. And the fact that He would even take time out of His busy schedule to meet with you this morning. That's what David's trying to get you to see. God, why would you even come and help me? Why would you even get involved in all this mess? You got bigger things and higher ranking things going on in the universe that you could pay attention to. And you come down and you pay attention to man. Let me tell you, my friend, he cares about you. He cares about every one of you. Everybody here in this church, he cares about you. And then so, David, he keeps looking at it Lord, what is Adam that thou takest knowledge of him? Or the son of Enosh, that thou makest account of him. Why would you even take this, this son of Enosh into account? The word Enosh for man goes back to the days in Genesis chapter 6 when the sons of man looked on the daughters of man. The sons of God looked on the daughters of men. And they had a li- liaison with them. The term there, uh, sons of God and daughters of man, the term there, man, is Enosh. That's the first time it's used. And David is using it now. What does it mean? It's not talking about the general population as a whole. He's saying, God, why would you take note of and take account of Enosh? Enosh. What are you talking about? The root word for Enish means weak and sick. Why would you, God, get involved with weak, sick man? Why would you get involved with frail, fallen man? Come on, somebody. See, it's not just man, not just the the sons of Adam, but it's fallen man. That God would ingo- get involved with sick people, just like you and me, and weak people, just like you and me. Amen, amen. Enosh amen. is always a term of, it, that's used in a bad sense. Always in a bad sense. Why would you get involved with with people like us, fallen, frail, weak, sick individuals? David said, "I put myself in that category." He said, "I'm a part of the of mankind." And I'm a part of that frail, fallen humanity that's weak and sick. And that you, oh God, would take account of us. Hallelujah. You talk about a powerful, powerful statement in this passage. Because David, are y'all with me? He sees the weakness in Ahithophel. He's seen the fallenness in Absalom. He looks at Solomon, his son, and he's already beginning to see there's a streak in Solomon that's not right. And not just at Ahithophel and Absalom and Solomon in the future. He's looking in his own life. And he goes back in time. And he thinks about, in this passage, covering his whole life, friend, that God would step in. He says, you know what, God? I've seen you intervene in my life. I've seen you take account of me and take thought of me and my weakness and my frailties and my fallen condition, my sick condition. Go back to Goliath. When he was a little boy, God gave him victory over Goliath. He's going back in time. God would intervene and help him in the days when he had to defeat Goliath. He's going back in time. He sees the time when God took him out of the wilderness and put him on the throne. He saw the time when Saul was trying to kill him. But God gave him the victory. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb. He saw the time that as a warrior, God gave him victory over nations, world powers attacking him. But God gave him victory that God would take even think about David and take him into account in his fallen condition. That God would intervene and do all those things for David, the victories that David had. But then he remembers, he remembers. His vices. Every one of you have them. Yes, sir. David had them. Yes, sir. Amen. He remembered when he looked out and he saw Bathsheba bathing on the top of the house. Another man's wife. And he called for Bathsheba and he had relationships with her. And she became pregnant. And then to cover up his sin, he calls for Bathsheba's husband, And he's put on the front line. This loyal man to David is put on the front line and he's killed. He's murdered. So David committed adultery and murder. And so David remembers his vices, his sin. He remembers how Amnon is dead. His son is dead because of his sin. Not directly, but indirectly. It was God's judgment on his house. He remembers that now Absalom is dead and damned. He remembers that his best friend Ahithophel is dead and accursed of God. He remembers all of this. And as I said, he looks at his little son Solomon who's running around and he already begins to notice the weakness that's in him. Come on, somebody. You hear what I'm showing you today? So David, he remembers all the past victories of God and God intervening and taking thought of him and taking account of him. And he also knows that he's Enosh, that he's frail, that he's weak, that he's sick. Come on, somebody. Do you have that understanding today in your life? Why would God help David again? Why would he help you again? Why would he help me again? Come on, are y'all here today? Come on. I love him. I love him. I love him. Oh, praise God. He doesn't just take thought of you when you're strong and where you need to be. He doesn't just take. Come on, somebody. He takes thought of you when you fail and you falter. Come on, somebody. God, if you'll repent, if you'll repent, if you'll repent, God will help you. He'll help you if you'll repent. He's just waiting for you and I to repent. the consequences are there. We feel the burden and we feel the weight of it. But I'm telling you in that one verse, it is one of the most powerful statements written from the hand of David that was ever recorded. Because he understands who he is as a man. And the fact that this great God who could have been doing so many other things would even pay attention to him blowing his mind especially as Enosh the weak sick man give the Lord praise have you ever been there (laughs) have you ever been there oh you're getting too long pastor well I'm just getting started and I told you you could rest tonight so if I get out by three hallelujah (laughs) I've done good Have you ever been in that place where you're so totally, absolutely weak and you know you have failed and you know you have faltered and you know... Come on, somebody. You're sick! You're sick! You're a sick puppy! But yet God steps in and helps you again. Well, I deserve it. You need to get that verse in your spirit. And understand, you don't deserve one thing from God. And if God steps in and takes thought of you, if God steps in and takes account of you, it's because of His goodness that He did. You you ought to be blown away by this kind of God. I'll never understand how some people cannot worship Him. They can, but they won't. Why they refuse to praise him and worship, and I, I don't understand that. I, I, it's because they don't understand what God has done for their lives. They don't understand that they're just a part of a race of people that God would even think about as a miracle, and a, a race of people that are falling sick in the in the process, and still God would take thought of them. See, David he, he's scanning his whole life. He sees the weakness in his own life and the weakness in others. God would put him back on the throne. Verse 4, said, Man is like vanity. His days are as a shadow that passeth away. You want to know what man is like? He said he's empty without God. He said, I look at my life, empty without God. I look at Ahithophel, empty without God. I look at Absalom, empty without God. I look at Solomon, weakness in him, empty without God. You and I have to look at our children. We have to look I have to look at mine. You have to look at yours. Empty without God. Right, right, right. Vanity. Vanity. His days are as a shadow that passeth away. Can you imagine how much time has passed so quickly? I'm almost fifty years old. No, I don't look it. I look like I'm (laughs) seventy. I, it, it's blowing my mind. Time is like, whew, it's just, it's running by me, man. Hallelujah. I remember the days when I was young and handsome. <laughs> That's gone. I can't get it back. I'd, I'd love to go back and build it. I can't get it back, man. I'm getting uglier by the day. Losing my hair. I asked my barber the other day, he cut my hair. I said, is my hair getting thinner? He said, yeah. He didn't even, you know, he didn't even try to say, well, yeah. Now I'm all conscious, you know. Praise the Lord. I I think I'm just going to do a heath or a bishop over here. Praise the Lord. (laughs) I mean, you understand what I'm telling you? You know what I'm talking about? Time is just flying by. Your kids, I remember when we first started this church. Some of your, your children are teenagers now. Teenagers. They were little babies. Some of them not even born yet. Where'd the time go? Before you know it, you'll be in a casket. Where is it going? It's like your life. See, without God, you're empty. Empty without God. Vanity. Your life's like a vapor, man. It's here today and gone tomorrow. Before you realize it, here today and gone tomorrow. David is, he's, he's got a hope. Well, he's at the end of his life. So he's recalling his life. Can, 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 will you get with me here today? Will, will you go back in time and think about all the victories that God has given you in your life? Will you go back in time and remember when you were sick and you were weak and God taught your hands to war and your fingers to fight and God defended you and God helped you? Come on! Will you go back in time like David understand how weak and how sick you are and how desperate you are for God and how much you need God in your life? Would you go back in time and remember... The victories, and the vices, and the frailty, and the emptiness that you had without God in your life. This is where David is. And at that time, even though God is putting him back on the throne, he goes back to God, and he says, Bow thy heavens, O Lord, and come down touch the mountains and they shall smoke he said I need you to come down again I'm not going to hold back the anointing I'm going to tell you today David was in a situation again with a throne and then he's sitting on his wobbling there's another insurrection about to take place he said God I need you to come down again I need you to intervene again I need you to help me again just like you did in days ago I need you again I need you to come. I need you to intervene. I need you to get involved in my life. Why does he need God to come down when he's sitting on the throne and the people are subdued to him? Because at that same time, go to 2 Samuel chapter 20. <coughs> Man, you'd think by now that... uh After everything David's gone through, God has brought him back to the throne and the people are subdued to him. You'd think by now, man, that a part of his life that he wouldn't have any more problems. The trouble, surely the trouble's gone. No. As soon as God restores him back to the throne, he starts noticing his throne is wobbly. What do you mean? There's another insurrection. In 2 Samuel chapter 20 is the background of this verse. He says in verse 1 of 20 of 2 Samuel, He said, And there happened to be there a man of Belial whose name was Sheba, the son of Bichri, a Benjaminite. And he blew a trumpet and said, We have no part in David, neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his own tents, O Israel. So every man of Israel went up from after David and followed Sheba, the son of victory. But the men of Judah clave unto their king from Jordan even to Jerusalem. Sheba, right after David, is repositioned back on the throne. This man, a Benjaminite, is about to create a civil war in the nation of Israel. It's the northern kingdom. Against the southern kingdom of Judah. Sheba is gathering the Israelites. Come on. Judah says, they clave to David. Come on somebody. Judah, they clave to David. But Israel, not yet a, a divided kingdom of course, but I'm just showing you that there's a, a, a division here that's about to break out. An insurrection is about to break out. That is larger and more serious than Absalom's rebellion. And at that time, watch, listen, background, Gaw, uh, David has taken Joab out of his position as general. David always, always struggled with the ways of Joab. Joab was his general. Joab was his nephew. Joab was the son of his sister, Zeruah. So Joab is David's nephew and David's general. But David always struggled with Joab's ways. Joab was a great general, but he was a carnal man. David struggled with the ways of his nephew. But Joab would always get the job done. But at this time, David takes Joab, his nephew, out of his position. Thinking, now I'll be able to do away with this guy. You know, he's, he's sort of like a thorn in David's side, even though he get the job done. So just his wage, you know. He takes him out of his position. And he puts another nephew in the place of Joab, makes him the general. This man's name is, let me find it in the text. I gotta be able to pronounce it. Verse nine. Amasa. 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 Amasa is put in the place of Joab, and Amasa is David's nephew by his sister Abigail. But Amasa, Amasa is not equipped for that. He's not qualified to be that. He is not able to be the general. There is a weakness. Okay, y'all hear? And so we got this insurrection that is so dangerous that in verse 6, I believe it is, David said this, David said to Abishai, Now shall Sheba the son of Bichri do us more harm than did Absalom. Take thou thy Lord's servant and pursue after him, lest he get him fenced cities and escape me. This insurrection now, David recognizes it will be worse than Absalom's rebellion. We got to take care of this man. I've got to deal with him with an iron fist, but with a velvet glove. Do you hear that? He has to deal with him with an iron fist, but with a velvet glove at the same time. Because he has to be careful about presentation. Hallelujah to the Lamb. The danger of dealing with this insurrection, if David mishandles this, he, he will appear as a man, come on somebody, that's out of control. He will appear as a man who just has a a vendetta uh, and he's taking vengeance out. He will just appear. He'll he'll be in the wrong light. So he knows for the sake of the kingdom that he has to deal with it with an iron fist, but he's got to handle it with a velvet glove. So he puts in the place of his nephew Joab Amasa, Amasa. And he's now the general, but he's not capable. The kingdom is about to divide. There's fixing to be a civil war that's going to break out. And David knows that it's worse than it was before. See what I mean? As soon as he got back on the throne, his position was teetering. Sheba says, we have no part in David. Every man to his tents. And so now we got another insurrection after David's restoration. So at that point, that's when David says, Lord, help me. He says, bow thy heavens, O Lord, and come down, touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. He said, I need you to come down right now, God. We're in dangerous times. We're in perilous times. There's fixing to be a civil war breakout in this kingdom. It's going to be worse than the days of Absalom. I need you to come down, God. Bow the heavens and come down. He said, come down, God, and fight once again. I need you to come down. He said, don't you know what is at stake here? The kingdom of God is at stake here. The church is at stake here. If you don't come down, God, and intervene. The church is at stake here. you, need you to come down. Well, what's interesting, God comes down, but He don't come down supernaturally. God takes care of this insurrection, but He don't come down just... He's going to use a woman in a city. Amos, Amos is not getting the job done. David knows it. And all of a sudden, here comes Joab again to save the day. Joab, that qualified general, but carnal, comes back on the scene. He's going to help David again. Rises to the challenge. He walks up to his cousin, Emerson, who's now the general. Is thy health good? How hey, you do? You feeling alright? Grabs him by the beard. Pulls his beard. Pulls, himself, pulls him to himself by the beard as if he was going to kiss him, his cousin. He's got a sword in his left hand. <laughs> right under the fifth rib. His cousin, David's nephew, is now taken out of the way. We got this unqualified man now out of the way. You understand what I'm telling you? And he's laying there in the middle of the road, and he's all bleeding, you know, he's writhing in the blood. And the people, as they go by, the armies, as they go by, they see this man. The cousin of Joab, the nephew of David, who was David's appointed general in the place of Joab, they see this man riding in the blood. I mean, he just, you know, I don't have to show it to you. Do you want me to get on the ground and show you what he's doing? He's dying. Blood everywhere. Okay? He's going into convulsions. The people are walking by and they just, they stop there. They're being delayed because he's got their attention. They're being delayed. They watch. They stop. Joab is saying, hey, you know what? There's a hindrance here from us moving on. There's a hindrance here from us going and taking care of this insurrection. we got to get rid of this guy that's in the way. So they take him, pick him up out of the middle of the road and throw him into the fields. Some people say, I'm just a middle of the road Christian you better get out of the middle of the road, you're going to get run over. Amen. You're in the middle of the road, you're in the way. Especially if you're dead. They took his old bloody body, threw it out of the field so there would be no more distraction. And the people went on. And Joab goes to the city and there's a woman of God in that city where Sheba is, the insurrector, the rebel. The rebel, the son of Belial, the son of the devil, the rebel against David. This woman says, Joab, we'll take care of it. We'll take care of it. We'll cut his head off and we'll throw his head over the wall to you. And this woman of God went into that city. Come on, somebody. She compelled the people of that city to cut the head of, of this rebel, this son of Belial, the son of the devil, to take his head off and throw it over the wall. Victory was won that day. But now David has to face another dilemma. The actions of Joab. His brutality, his cold blooded murder. Acting as a friend to his cousin. Hey, how you doing? You feeling alright today? Let me give you a big hug. Whew. David's got to deal with the brutality of this man, Joab. The strangeness of this man. Are y'all here today? But God has come down. The heavens have bowed down and God has come down. It's like He's shooting His light, lightning. But He didn't, listen, He didn't do it with, you know, a great display of His power. He did it with a woman in a city. A woman in the city defeated the rebel, the son of Belial, named Sheba. Are you all awake today? Amen. God has His ways. He takes care of things. Takes care of it. What was at stake at that moment, David understood. So God has come down once again, and God has helped David once again. The days of Shema. I'm closing. He continues to cast forth lightning and scatter them, shoot out thine arrows and destroy them. And God did. Send thine hand from above. Rid me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of strange children. I believe he's talking about Joab there. He might be talking about Sheba. He might be talking about those that are involved in this rebellion and insurrection he might be but I believe he's talking about Joab because Joab was strange to David he's already tried to get rid of him he's already tried to take him out of his position but the job wasn't getting done so here comes Joab on the scene to save the day again but he's strange he said deliver me from strange children Strange children. Strange children are children who don't act like their spiritual father. Strange children. Oh, Joad, man, he'll get the job done. He'll kill Absalom in a heartbeat. He'll slay Amasa in a heartbeat. Not even cold-blooded murderer, man. Not even think twice about it. Skilled general. He'll get the job done. But he's not like David. He didn't have the spirit of his father. He's a strange, strange child. Which means he's a child. David said, you're a child of a... You act like the child of a foreigner. Well, Joab is David's nephew. By his sister Zeruah. So it's not, not talking about natural, something natural. He said, you are strange spiritually, Joab. God would deliver, David said, me, from strange children They don't have the spirit of their father, David. Give the Lord praise in the house. Oh, hallelujah! Strange children. The children, when you look at them, they don't have the characteristics of their father. And this was Joab. I know, No, I know. He got the job done. But he's strange, man. Come on, give a little praise. <laughs> I love you. I love you. But I've been around some strange church people, man. I can't figure them out. Oh, I got them figured out. I do have them figured out. But they don't act right. It's strange to me. Sometimes you have to go to God. God delivered me from strange children. Strange. he never say strange. Now, that don't mean you're strange. Why are you acting so strange? That's what Dave was wrestling with at this moment here. God has come down. God has delivered. This. Come on. For His name's sake. For His reputation's sake. For the kingdom of God's sake, for the church's sake, God has come down. He used a woman to do it. He's looking for a church, a bride. A true bride, a faithful bride. They'll take the head off of the son of Belial. They'll take the head off the son of the devil. They'll take the head off of rebellion in the house. We can't have it. We can't have it. Because if we do, it'll destroy the church. Come on. Give us a church. Give us a woman. I'm going to be honest with you right now. I believe that I'm pastoring a church right here that's a true bride. I believe I'm pastoring a church that is getting to a place they're not going to tolerate rebellion anymore. God is giving you strength. God is helping so many of you when you get around strange situations. Hallelujah to the Lamb. God is using you to decapitate. Rebellion. Oh, yeah, man. God will honor that. God will honor that. And David's crying out. He's saying, God, deliver me from this strange, from strange children. Verse 8, I'm closing. Whose mouth speaketh vanity, and their right hand is the right hand of falsehood. That's how I know it was Joab, because he says their right hand is the right hand of falsehood. Okay, he's like, how you doing, man? Hey, you feeling all right today? Good, man. Come here, give me a hug. All right, <laughs> straight man. <laughs> Unexpected, man. You got a sword right in your gut. Unexpected. You know, and it hit, it hit Amasa uh, by surprise. He wasn't expecting his own cousin, you know, give him a right hand, give him a hug, and stick a sword in his gut. It caught him totally by surprise. How many of y'all ever been there? Somebody reach out with the right hand. Hey, doing? God bless you, bro. You feeling all right? Good. Praise the Lord. Give me a big hug. <laughs> just gut you right there on the spot. Leave you on the ground, watered in the blood, you know. People just walk by. Look at it. Hey, look at that. Give mm-hmm. me mm. mm. You know what I mean? That's the way people are, man. When they gut you, then they're going to walk by and look at you and say, look at him, he's gutted. Mm, Praise the Lord, church. So this is why I believe he's talking about Joab when he says strange children because he's talking about this falsehood whose mouth speak of vanity and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. You know, they, they appear to you, to your face as friendly and, hey, how you doing, yeah. Carter? Yeah. yeah, didn't you? <laughs> oh <my goodness. laughs> I don't play that game, man. I I, I know where most people are. And uh, Okay, so if I see you out and about out there, you know, don't be surprised if I don't want to say, hey, how you doing? God bless you. You feeling all right? Because I know you got a sword in your left hand. You're ready to gut me. I don't play your game. I don't play your game. Cause I know what you're doing behind the face. You hear what I'm telling you, man? You're trying to gut the church, which is more important to God than gutting the pastor. I know what you're doing. I'm not talking about you, brother. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know how you want to appear like you love us and yeah, no, 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 no. You gutting us. You gutting the church. Strange children. If you could do that, you're strange. If you could gut the church, you're strange. You could secretly try to destroy the work of God. You're strange. What are you gonna do with Joab, David? What are you gonna do with him? You know what David does? He said, Man, basically, this is paraphrased. I don't know what to do with him. I'm just putting him in God's hands. He's strange to me. Just okay, I'll put him in God's hands. And then later on. Right before he dies, he says, Solomon, you take care of him. Because of Abner and because of Amasa. What he did to Abner, he pulled him out of the city of refuge and killed him. And now he's killed his own cousin in a similar fashion. Whew. He said to Solomon before he died, he said, you take care of Joab. For what he did to Abner and Amasa.'" David at this point he can't do anything. He can't do anything with the situation. So he has to leave him in his position. okay? Because not to leave him in his position would create greater problems. But before he dies, he said, you're going to take care of him. Give the Lord praise. Why I can you know why I can preach like this? Because this is not just a sermon to me. I live in this world. I live in this, and so do you. And some of you are starting to realize that there's enemies of the church. That's your heart. I love you. Whose mouth speaketh than empty thing? Always talking. Always oh, shooting off the mouth, right, right. empty when they don't have nothing to say. Don't have nothing going. You understand? Just, pop. just spitting out. You know what I mean? Just empty language, empty talk, 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 yak, yak, yack, chatter, chatter, chatter. Strange children. Hallelujah. You know, the best thing you and I can do is if we're going to talk, send it to Him. You want to talk, send it to God. Prayer, praise, worship. You want to talk, be a witness. Come on, somebody. You want to talk, preach the gospel, preach the truth. People set traps for you, man. Thank God for our young brother in church today. He called me somebody tried to set a trap for him. But God was with him, and God protected him from the trap. Are you with me right now? This is real what I'm preaching you today. Oh, hallelujah to the left. Person coming with smooth talk to get him into the trap. And then when he didn't go for the trap, whoosh, what was really behind it came out. You know, what was, you know what it was about? It was a plan to pull him away from this house. Ultimately. Yes. Traps. Are you here tonight? Today, whatever time it is? <laughs> See, some of you You'll throw the door open to any devil. And because of that, you're in, you're in trouble and I love you. But before I came back to Odessa, Texas, see, I got up about four o'clock in the morning on Monday to drive back to Odessa, Texas. You know why I got up so early? Because I had a dream. Witchcraft was being used against me. Witchcraft was being used. Against this church. And in the dream, God showed me the person. But I tell you, here's what I told my wife. I said, here's the person. But the person I'm telling you about, it's not them. It's the spirit behind them. It's not somebody that's out of the church. They're in the church this morning. And they may not even know that they're being used in witchcraft. But you throw the door open to the devil, my friend, and you're going to invite the devil into your house and he's going to be a part of what you're doing. You hear what I'm telling you today? So I got up 4 o'clock in the morning and said, Christina, we got to get back to Odessa, Texas. I went and fueled up. You know, whew, we came on our way. Great spiritual battle, man. Great struggle. But God is good because God shows us what's going on. He doesn't leave us ignorant. He loves you. I said he loves you. He loves you. His mouth speaketh empty, and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. They just appear. They got an agenda. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I love you, man. Look at your name, tell you. Tell them I love you. Now, look at him and say, this is heavy. This is heavy. You better believe it's heavy. You know what David does at this point? And I'm coming to a close. I thank you for staying so long. But you know I don't preach sermonets because sermonets are for who have demonets. This is the way I keep the house clean. I preach long. You really got to want God to be here. Because I preach long. So we keep the house clean. And if there are any devils in the house, we just preach so long we wear them out. <laughs> 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 they throw up the hand. Oh, okay, let go down the street to another church. <laughs> but here at David, At the end, he starts praising. He ends his life as a worshiper. He was a warrior. Come on. He was weak. Now he's a worshiper. And he's given God all the credit for everything that had happened in his life. All the victories. And even when he had failed, he gave God the credit for everything that happened. And from this verse on that I'm about to read to you to the rest of the book of Psalms. Every chapter, every psalm from this point forward is a doxology of praise from David. He ends his life as a worshiper. And ultimately, even though he's sitting on the throne, you are the enthroned one, oh God. You're the one that's really on the throne, oh God. That's for David. He shifts now. And so now at the end of his life, he ends his life on the mountaintops. Isn't that beautiful? He doesn't go back into a pit again. Come on, no more insurrection. No more betrayal in his life. Oh, There's going to be things that will follow. There's an Agenijah that's got his eyes on the throne. Those things will follow. I preached it to you in the Kings. I want to tell you something. David's going to end his life on the mountaintop of praise. He's going to end his life with a doxology of praise. Every psalm that follows is a psalm of David praising exalted the one who's sitting on the throne today. Amen. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Amen. Recognizing he, you know, really what I could do right now, I could stop and I could preach the rest of it next week, but I can't because I, this is too good just to leave it hanging, man. Praise the Lord. He said, I will sing a new song unto thee, O God, upon a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings while I sing praise unto thee. He just starts breaking down in praise. He knows you're the one that's on the throne. I'm I'm just a I'm a man, I'm weak. Here I am. I have this position of authority as a king over the kingdom, but I'm I'm a weak man. He said, But you're the king of kings and lord of lords. You're the one that's helped me and delivered me and defended me, even in the times of my failures and my weakness and my sick condition. You are God. Alfred, he ends up his life with a song. This is the way I want to end. I want to end my life singing about the the greatness of God Almighty. Remembering every victory that's been won. He gets the glory. He gets the honor. He's the one that receives the recognition. Give it all back to him. Throw it at his feet and give him praise. That's what David does. He takes all the victories and throws them back at the feet of Jesus. Boom, right there. Worships God. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't quit living for God. Even when you stumble, you're an Enosh, weak man. Just get back up and just start praising God. Say, Lord, I know, I know, I know what I am. I know what I am. I'm not fooling myself anymore. I know how weak I am. I know how much I need you. So, anyway. Alan, that's way he just ends up, I mean, he's on a mountaintop after all those three years of constant battle and struggle. Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it beautiful? I will sing a new song. I don't have time to break this down, but a new song speaks of redemption. And it speaks of the day that you live in today. A new song. New song. Spirit. Spirit of God is on him. Verse 10. It is he that giveth salvation unto kings who delivereth David his servant from the hurtful sword. Look at that. He's the true king. Amen. He's the one that comes and what? Delivers kings. Brings salvation to kings who and delivereth David his servant from the hurtful sword. Delivered, his, delivered David. He goes back through time again. He said, God, You deliver me from the sword of Goliath. You deliver me from the sword of Saul you delivered me from the sword of Absalom. You've delivered me from the sword of Sheba. You've delivered me from the sword of nations that have come against me. It is you, God, who's delivered me from the sword. Woo! You're the king who brings salvation to kings and delivered your servant David. Oh, he's singing the praise. All these swords. How many swords? How many swords have come against you in your life? How many swords? Hurtful swords. Harmful swords. God stepped in and yes, take care of him. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord God. Praise the Lord. You ought to give Him thanks today. He's good. He's good to you. He's good to me. He's good to me. Verse 11. Rid me and deliver me from the hand of strange children whose mouth speak of vanity and their right hand is the right hand of falsehood. Making reference again to Joab. Verse 12. That our sons... Now here we go. It's So awesome. That our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth. He's praying that the land be filled with a multitude of people. I believe God has spoken to this church for a multitude of people. Sunday night. I don't believe it's just a preacher preaching it to you. I believe it's God's will for there to be a multitude of people. That's why we're praying early in the morning. Because we're believing God's sin built. I'm not talking about physical builders. I'm talking about build the co- the church. Souls. Amen. Amen. Yes, His desire, David's desire, is that there's the nation be filled with people. And that these sons that are in the kingdom will be like plants who grow straight and tall and healthy. Amen. Not diseased. Amen. Not sick plants. Straight. Tall. Strong, healthy plants. Not debased young people. Debased on drugs and sex and immorality and all kinds of sin in their lives. But a young people that are strong in God. Sons in the kingdom that are on fire for God. Sons in the kingdom that are strong, straight, tall, pure, right, holy... I was encouraged today. I saw something over in Canada. They had a 12-hour prayer meeting over in Canada. They put it on television. A prayer meeting. It wasn't a preaching service. It was a prayer meeting. And I saw these young people, these youth. Come on, friend. They may not even have all the truth you got. Praying fervently before God. Speaking in tongues. Seeking God with all their hearts. And I thought to myself, Lord Jesus, where's the Jesus name church? Where's the one God church? I want to be like that right there. I want to be praying and speaking in tongues and interceding. I want a young people, I want a youth group that's on fire for God. Not debased and backslid. Come on in sexual immorality and drug addiction. Give us signs like tender plants that are growing tall and strong and straight, not diseased and debased. And then He says, that our daughters may be as cornerstones. Our daughters may be as cornerstones. A cornerstone is a foundation stone. He said, let our daughters be like cornerstone, foundation stone, stable, they, these women bring stability to the building. They're foundation stones in the church. They bring stability to the church. He said, let our daughters be like cornerstones. Let them be the women in the church who bring stability to the house. We'll give God praise here today. He said... He said, polished after the similitude of a palace. Polished. He said, not just a foundation stone which brings civility. He said, let them be like pillars that have been polished. Stately pillars that are worthy to be erected in the king's palace. He said, give me daughters that are polished. Give me daughters that are worthy to be, that to stand in the king's palace erect. God, give God praise into this house today. Fruit like in their shapes, ornate, standing erect, polished, worthy of the palace of the king. Oh, give us young people that are like that. Young men that are like that. And young women that are like that. Come on, somebody. And it doesn't have to be a teenager. It can be you and it can be me. Let us be people of stability. Let us be people worthy of the king's palace. Let us be a people of stability. Let us be stable. You know what Brother Edna told me? The Holy Ghost reminded me. He said, Brother Carter... He said, there's stability in your church. I don't know how long it's been since he was here before. It's got to be at least a year. But he said, since I was here last, he said, there's more stability here today. And he said, there's more character. I said, well, it's because we've been through a lot. He said, there's character here. Missionary from Taiwan. Stability in the house. Amen. I don't, boy, we've been through a lot. Yeah, but thank God for a man of God who can discern stability. Aren't you glad for a stable place? Aren't you glad for the character that God is building inside of us? I don't want to be debased. I don't want to be immoral. I don't want to be ungodly. I don't want to be on drugs, addicted to drugs. I don't want to be an alcoholic. in this prayer. The multitudes. What kind of people? This is his desire. He said in verse 13 that our garners may be full. The nation would be a nation that would have economic prosperity. That our garners would be full. We wouldn't come on, somebody are here with me today. Just a continual flow and a continual supply coming into the garners. Productivity. Say productivity and prosperity. He's asking God, I, we, we need productivity and we need prosperity. We need a continual flow that will keep those garners full. Amen, amen. Our nation needs economic prosperity. The people individual need economic prosperity amen, amen. Hallelujah. and productivity. Amen. For the garners to be full, that means there has to be continual flow into them. Bible says, affording all manner of store. Look at this. He's a, there. Listen, a continual flow so that we can even store some up. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God, look at this. This is what God did for you this morning. But this is not just about me. This is God. This is a storehouse. Come on, somebody. See, God doesn't want to give you just enough to make ends meet. He doesn't want to just give you enough to pay your bills. And that's all that's left. He wants you to have abundance. So you'll have something in the storehouse. Oh, give God praise in the house. And you don't have to feel ashamed about praying like that. God wants to bless your life. Oh, hallelujah. Because he's a good God. They wouldn't shame for to pray for prosperity and productivity in his life, so there'll be a continual flow. So there even be abundance. So you'd have to store it. Oh, hallelujah! We say, "Well, I don't have." It's not happening. I don't see it in my life right now. It can. Give the Lord praise. It can. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me. My wife is a great woman of faith. But when it comes to finance and it comes to provision, I have even more faith than she does on that. And I'll look at her in, 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 in situations that we may get in and I'll tell her, God's got it covered. God's going to take care of it. Don't worry about it. And without exception, every time God has. Give the Lord praise in the house. Oh, hallelujah! Hallelujah! That's the way He is! And sometimes he'll challenge you. He challenges us in our giving. He challenges us in our giving. But I want to tell you something. You cannot outgive God. It is impossible for you to outgive God. Sister, I, I don't want to, but you gave the missionary a, a really weighty offering today. That came out of your need, not out of your substance. And I God is going to bless you. It's going to come back to you like a river. It's going to blow your mind. The way God is going to return to you what you did for that man of God. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb. Because you, she didn't give out of her abundance. She gave out of her need. And God saw that. And God's going to bless her. Oh, give him praise in the house today. So, David's praying for the kind of population he wants in this city. He's praying for prosperity and productivity. Oh, this is wonderful, isn't it? Hallelujah to the Lamb. That our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our streets. I mean, not just in the garner, but in the the sheep, producing sheep. There's so many sheep that running around all the place. Amen. There's sheep in the streets, man. You can't, you can't corral them. There's so many sheep. Hallelujah to the land. To the glory of God. Amen. Let it be here. Amen. Let there be so many sheep in the kingdom of God that uh, people see you all over Odessa, Texas and Midland. They see you and they know what church you're a part of. Are y'all here with me today? Hey, see, in case you don't know it, some of these preachers in this town know what church you're from just by looking at you. Hallelujah to the Lamb. They can discern your spirit. Oh, yes, Lord. There's got to be so many sheep, man. We can't keep up with you. You just keep producing sheep. and You know, we can't keep up with you. Hallelujah. You know what I'm praying? God, has said, once the sheep come in, once the revival comes in, give me the strength and the ability to pastor these sheep. See, once you get them, you got to know what to do with them. And I want the wisdom to be able to pasture the sheep when they come in. Are y'all here today? Give God praise. So I'm not just praying for the increase. I'm praying for the wisdom to work with the increase when we get it. And that's what you've got to do when God starts blessing your life. Don't just pray for increase. God, teach me what to do with this increase when I get it. Come on, are you here today? Because all men are vanity. They're empty without God. And they're like just a vapor that's here today and gone tomorrow. That's what he said already without God. You know how many people have won the lottery? I'm coming to a close. I thank you for taking your time today. You know how many people have won the lottery who ended up failures? A documentary caught my attention just the other day. People who failed in the lotteries. They won millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. And the storyline was this is what happened to those who won millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. One man had millions of dollars, committed suicide because he lost his family. One woman had a car accident, killed, uh, killed a passenger. Come on, you hear me? Failures. And, and the reason why she had the accident is she's going crazy, driving crazy down the street. Just one story after another story after another story of people who had got the big money but failed with the big money. That was the storyline. And this man who won the lottery, who committed suicide, gave large offerings to a Pentecostal church. Which means he had a Pentecostal background. But he committed suicide. So, you you know, pray. Pray like David. Pray for the increase the productivity and the prosperity. Pray like David. But then when you get it, you need to pray, well, what do I do with it when I get it? You don't want to lose your family? You don't want to lose your walk with God? Because we're nothing without God. We're empty. We're empty. Oh, hallelujah. Give Him praise in the house. I don't know what's wrong with some of you, but you... Lord help these people today. Watch, now watch. Okay. All manner of store. That our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousand in the streets. That our oxen may be strong to labor. That there be no breaking. Oh, yeah, now I love this part. That there be no breaking in. Get all this, you know? Well, then you got the thief. Wanting to get in and break in. Right. So he said there'd be no break in. There'd be no foreign invaders. Right. Right. There wouldn't right. be no people coming in and ca- taking right. the right. people captive. You right. understand? Give God praise. Amen. No invasions. No invasions in the land from foreign powers. This is what we need to preach for America. This is what America needs to hear. that there are oxen may be strong to labor, that there be no breaking in or going out, no captivities, that there be no complaining in our streets. No more complaining. No more griping. No more murmuring. No more muttering. Or mumbling. 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 Mur, muttering. Mumbling. Mumbling complaining, griping all the time. You know why David specifically said that? That there'll be no complaining in our streets? Because that's what brought the rebellion of Absalom into his nation. People who were always complaining about their lot, about the way they were being treated, that's what created the rebellion of Absalom. So there'll be no complaint in our streets. Come on, everybody's satisfied. Glory to God. The only way you can be a satisfied customer is you've got God in your life. The only thing is going to take that murmuring and that complaining and all that stuff out of you, you've got God in your life. You, do you realize that complaining and murmuring is equal to idolatry in God's Word? It's equal to idolatry. You go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I think it's the First 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I believe it is. You'll find that it's the same thing as idolatry start griping about things, murmuring, complaining all the time. It's equal to idolatry. So, David's saying, let there be no complaining in our streets. Everybody's satisfied. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise Amen. God. Amen. How many of y'all out there are all satisfied? No complaints. No complaints. Well, you can have right complaints. Complaints that you know, things not right with God or whatever. I'm talking about illegitimate complaints. How many of y'all don't have? Are you, You're not the person given to illegitimate complaints. Thank God for you. How many satisfied customers have we had today? <laughs> well, you know I'm satisfied. And I better get that tree home before I start wanting to give it away. My wife the other day, she said, I'm not giving you money until uh, after the service. She said, because, you know, man, I'm like, I'm just, the whole, I just start giving it away. I, mean, I bring get that thing home, man. I got bills to pay. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Something might come on me. I just start wanting to give it away to you, man. Hallelujah. No, I mean that. I got bills to pay. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So keep your eyes off that tree. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Satisfied, man. Satisfied in God. I know things not, might not be exactly the way you want it, but you can be satisfied in God. Yes. You can be fulfilled in God, man. Got all kinds of problems looking at you, but you can still be fulfilled in your God. Come on, man. He puts you back on the throne you're at the bottom. He's able, man. He knows. And then he goes on and he closes it out. He says, happy is that people that is in such case, a happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Let that be written over your house. Let that be written over this church. Let that be written over your life. Let that be written in the courthouses of America. Let that be written at the White House. Let let that be written in the Oval Office. Let that be written in Obama's house. Let that be written over every senator's door. Let it be written. Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. He's basically telling you, you can't have all of that that he just mentioned if God is not the Lord of your life. God is the Lord of your life. You're happy. I'm happy today. I'm happy today. man. How many of y'all happy today? I'm happy today in God. Happy today. So David, this is the way he is going to end his life. There will be no more complaints. Okay? Be just songs of praise unto God. David's going to go out with a song and worship. David's going to be on the mountaintop when he leaves. The planet, how many of y'all want to be on the mountaintop? How many of you want your sons to be tall, strong, straight, no disease? How many of you want your daughters to be stable and the stability of the church and polished pillars in the palace? How many of y'all want the prosperity and the productivity of the church, which means you? Hallelujah. Give God praise. How many of y'all want the complaint to be God? You want sheep to be reproducing and you want the ox to be strong in labor. How many of y'all want that? Bless, bless, bless. See, he shifts his focus from his position on the throne to the one who's really on the throne. That's what you got to do. No matter what you go through. And so David, he's just going... If I had time, I'd show you. You know what He's done? He's taken a little bit of this psalm. He's taken a little bit of that psalm. He's taken a little bit of this psalm. It's a conglomeration of other psalms that He's written. Wow. And He just put it all together. Wow. Amen. He's going back over the history of His life through this psalm. Isn't it beautiful? Amen. Hallelujah! Thank You, Jesus! Hallelujah. Thank You, Jesus! Hallelujah! Oh, how He loves you and me. Happy is the people. Who's what? God Whose God is the Lord. Amen. He's the only one to bring you satisfaction. Right. He's the only one to bring happiness.